And thank God today, this is Pastor Adams, President and Founder of Truth Matters Ministries in Atlanta, Georgia. And once again, we're just thankful. We're always delighted to be hosts in attendance of this very vital ministry of contending for the faith that has once and for all been delivered unto the saints according to Jude 3. And today, before we get into our our podcast and our teaching for today, we want to just thank God for the thousands of listeners who have given us the privilege to be attendants of this ministry. And we just thank God for the 41 countries around the world where this podcast is being heard. We thank God for great leaders and great Bible teachers who have contributed to this ministry over the years, such as Dr. Walter Martin and Dr. Norman Geisler, Dr. Ravi Zacharias, great, great theologians and apologists such as Dr. William Lane Craig, Dr. Josh McDowell, great Bible teachers and authors such as Randy Alcorn and Hank Hanegraaff, the president of the Christian Research Institute. Thank God for my former pastor, Dr. Josiah Martin, pastors Ralph Beecham and Bishop William Jenkins down in Colleen, Texas. And today, in this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to examine the premise and process of transforming our minds. We want to transform our minds. But before we do that, as our tradition and custom is, we want to pause and pray. Now, Father, we thank you once again for all things. We, Lord, we extend to you the fruit of our lips. We prostrate our hearts before you, dear God. We call upon your name because we know that you're faithful and we know that you always hear. There's no circumstance. There's no situation, there's no crisis in which you cannot intervene. We thank you, Lord, that you are our good shepherd. You said that you would lead and guide us to find pasture. We thank you that you are our high priest. We know that you are ever standing to make intercession on our behalf. We thank you that you are the great physician. You are the healer of our souls. You are the deliverer of our hearts and minds. We pray that everyone upon the sound of my voice today, that they will receive the word with clarity and simplicity, and that will fall upon good ground that it might bear fruit. We thank you in advance for every person that will be saved and those who will draw closer to you through this podcast. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And today in this Truth Matters podcast, we're going to examine the premise and the process of transforming minds. Our question today is, is transforming our minds possible or viable? And if it is, how does one actually achieve it? I remember when trying to understand the complexities of human behavior as a result of all of the counseling sessions that I participated in with my members at my church when I first started pastoring in Germany. And in my attempt to accurately understand the anecdotal issues that confronted and persisted in people's lives, I'm going to tell you what I did. I intentionally completed psychology courses through the University of Maryland that assisted me to that end. I learned about the nuances of the brain, the mind, and the stimula that impacted the varying impulses and actions and morals and conduct of individuals. It is true, we live in a society today today that contains a myriad of lifestyles and spiritual convictions, and there are so many moral and social persuasions. Now, I want you to stay with me for a minute. Now, when analyzing many dynamics that persist in the world, we might examine some of those extreme social occurrences. And as we examine those extreme social occurrences, you might ask, Pastor Adams, 
What causes a man to take an AR-15 assault rifle and then shoot children in an elementary school? What's going on in the mind that provokes a man to kidnap children and then sell them into child pornography? What drives another person to walk into a church or a synagogue and begin to just shoot black and Jewish parishioners while they're on their knees praying? Why would someone steal our seniors and retired persons' pensions and their life savings through a, a scams and investment schemes, as did Bernie Madoff? In addition, what are the forces that causes a person to leave the comforts of their life and then devote themselves entirely to alleviating the pain and the suffering of other people, as did Mother Teresa. What prompts another person to sacrifice all their millions of dollars and all of their resources just to save Jews from the ovens of Nazi concentration camps, as did Oscar Schindler? Why does one person eat nutritiously and they may run and exercise every day and they maintain great health and another person, they abhor exercise. They make poor eating choices every day and they just give in and surrender to failing health. Why does one person live a life of order? They obey established laws. They live principally and they live in those principles of trust and they live in dedication and they live by commitments and they exhibit high values and then another person they're totally lawless they're defiant they possess zero scruples they constantly lie every day they steal and they're disloyal in everything that they do well here's the answer the contrast between all of these examples I, ju I just gave is one thing it's the condition of their minds. For the mind is the center and source of all of our actions, all of our thought, creativity, and deeds. So today, we're going to examine the physiological, the anatomical, spiritual, and the psychological aspects of our brain and mind. I want you to put your seatbelts on. I want you to stay focused because God is going to help us gain insight towards achieving victorious and successful spiritual lives. And I know that's what everybody wants. Amen. Now listen, most psychologists when categorizing factors in human behavior list three components. Here's what they say. The physical, the personal, emotional, and then the life experiences. But here at Truth Matters, we have concluded that there are three key factors that impact human behavior. What are they? The spiritual, the biological, and an environmental conditioning. Now let's delve into the first aspect of our examination of these forces and components that affects our minds and behavior, which is the spiritual forces and influence. Now, how do I arrive at that point or at the conclusion that spiritual forces had an effect on the conditioning of our behaviors? Well, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew 17 and 15, and let's look at what it says. It says, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic. What does lunatic mean? It means that your brain is sick and that you are insane. But what did Jesus do as a result 
Jesus rebuked the devil and it departed out of him. See here, scripture reveals that on occasion, symptoms of mental disorders are simply demonic oppression, possession, and influence that causes calamity in our lives. I want you to listen closely. We turn our Bibles to Ephesians 6 and 11. It says, put on the full armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand against the tactics of what? The devil. Why is that? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness. You ready for it? And evil spirits in heavenly places. So what are you saying, Pastor Adams? Well, there is a spiritual war that's going on. Whether you are engaged or whether you are cognizant of it or not, or whether you believe it or not, there is a spiritual war going on. And you must assume that your enemies, see, a lot of you, you assume that your enemies are people or are physical things political parties or social organizations, but God reveals that we are wrestling against evil spirits and dark powers and the rulers that are in the world. Acts 5 and 3, Peter asked, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? See, here is insight that reveals that lies are often birthed by satanic nudging and satanic influence within our minds. I want you to chew on that for a few seconds. You keep on turning to Acts 13 and 10. Listen to what it says. It says, full of all subtlety and mischief, thou child of the devil, you enemy of righteousness, will thou not cease from perverting the right ways of our Lord? Here again, we see that the enemy, the devil, and the child of the devils are engaged and active in perverting the words and the ways of the Lord. Ephesians 2 tells us something so paramount. Listen to what it says. It says that there is satanic, there is a satanic spirit that not in the future, not in the past, but is right now working in the children of disobedience. Human disobedience is influenced by a spirit that is at work in our hearts and our minds right now. How can we turn to Matthew 15, the 19th through the 21st verse and not be alarmed? Where it proclaims that out of the heart and out of the mind proceeds evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, lies, perversions, lasciviousness, backbiting, hatred. So how do we gain victory over the power and the grip and the influence of wicked spirits that are attack our heart and mind? Well, listen to James 1 and 21. It gives us direction. What does it say? It says, wherefore, lay apart all filthiness. Who has to do it? You have to do it. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. And then what must I do after that? And receive with meekness the engrafted word. The what? The re engrafted word. The word that is falling upon good ground. The word that is grafted into your heart. That word that is fallen into your heart has become a part of you.
You've eaten the word, as Jeremiah said. He says, and that word became the joy and the rejoicing of thy heart. For I am called by thy name, O Jacob, Salah. That word which is able to save your soul. So you might say, Pastor Adams, what is the soul? Well, the soul is the intellect, the will, the reasoning component of our being. See, there is a congruence and a distinction between the soul and the spirit and the brain of the mind. Listen to me. Just as a car has an engine within, that engine is pistons and there are fuel injections, injectors. There is a distinction at work between the engine and the pistons that work congruently within the engine. They work distinct and congruently within that engine. The Bible speaks of sinful motives and activities deriving from the heart, which often is, syn is synonymous with the mind. So just as there is congruence and distinction between the soul and the spirit, there is congruence and distinction between the mind and the brain. Now, secondly, we want to look at the physical and biological implications and impacts of our behavior as well. We want to just look at an examine of one monumental case study that established that the brain and the mind were distinct, but at the same time interrelated was the classic case of Phineas Gage. Now, listen to me. History records that in September 13, 1848, when Phineas Gage was 25 years old, he was working in Cavendish in Vermont, leading a crew that was preparing the Rutland and Burlington Railroad by blasting rocks to make the road bend. This was done by using an iron tapping rod to pack the explosive powder into the hole. Now, while Gage was doing this, however, the, power the powder it detonated and the tamping iron was that he was using, it launched from the hole and it entered to the left side of Gage's face from the bottom up. The iron rod, which was 43 inches long and 1.24 inches in diameter, it penetrated Gage's left cheek, traveling right behind his left eye. It entered through the left side of his brain and it exited the skull and it flew another 80 feet away before it landed. Now, after the incident, Gage was thrown into his back. He threw back on his back from the force of the iron rod and he had some brief convulsions and of his arms and his legs. And then after a few minutes, Gage was able to get himself up. He was able to talk and walk. And with small assistance, he was taken to a nearby cart so that he can travel into the town to get some medical assistance. Now the physician named Dr. Edward Williams attended to Gage and reported that he could see the pulsations of the brain. They were very distinct within his head. The top of the head appeared somewhat like an inverted funnel. Now, how did Phineas Gage personally change? From Harlow's written account, Gage was considered to be fully recovered and felt fit enough to reapply for his job as a foreman. However, his contractors, who had regarded Gage as an efficient and capable before the accident, could no longer offer him work due to considerable changes in his personality. Now, Harlow in 1868 described him as follows. The equilibrium of balance, so to speak, between his intellectual faculties and the animal propensity seems to have been destroyed. He is fitful, irreverent, indulging, and at times the grossest profanity, which was not previously his custom. He manifested but little deference for his fellows. He was impatience of restraint or advice, 
when it conflicts with his desires. At times, he was perniciously obstinate, yet capricious and vacillating, devising many plans of future operations which are no sooner arranged than they are abandoned in turn for others appearing more feasible. He's like a child, his intellectual capacities and manifestations. He has the animal passions of a strong man. So there was a huge difference between what happened and what caused Finnis Gage to change because of anatomical injuries to the brain. Now to help us anatomically understand how the brain impacts our behavior, let's look at the part of the brain called the cerebrum, the front of the brain, which is comprised of gray matter, the cerebral cortex, and the white matter at its center. The largest part of the brain, the cerebrum, initiates and coordinates movement and regulates temperature. Other areas of the cerebrum enable speech, listen to me, judgment, thinking, reasoning, problem solving, emotions, and learning. Other functions relate to vision, hearing, touch, and other senses. Listen to me. God and the enemy of our soul wants to affect this part of the mind because it controls our behaviors. Then there's the frontal lobe, the largest lobe of the brain, located, located in the front of the head. The frontal lobe is involved in personality characteristics and decision making and movement. God, who made us all, told us to put on the helmet of salvation, didn't he? Why? To protect our minds from the onslaught of the enemy. Are you wearing your helmet? Do you have on the full armor of God today? And if you are not, you are vulnerable and losing the battle that is engaged every day for your mind. See, these parts of the brain are often connected to our mind. In attempting to understand the behavior of people, there has unfortunately been an erroneous metaphysical interpretations or interpolation that is injected into the cause and, and they've caused intricate aspects of the mind. Unbiblical books such as, I know you heard of that book called The Secret, or many of you have read the book or heard of the book called Think and Grow Rich. They are non-Christian writings that have suggested that our words or positive confessions are the foundation of directing positive results into our lives. Many pastors taken their cue from false teachers and authors such as Napoleon Hill, E.W. Kenyon, Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, and Rhonda Byrne who have distorted many passages of scripture to present a man-centered gospel, where man has control of his destiny through positive confections and confessions and through dominion philosophies. Today, let's foundationally establish some facts. What is one of them? You ready for it? What we think or confess does not determine our reality. That's right truth matters today. The deceptive teaching is that the law of attraction will cause the universe or God to bring our positive thoughts and confessions into reality. If we perceive we want to be better people and to achieve success in life, we are taught that we must simply confess and speak those things into existence. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. You can present be full of fear. You can be full of perversion and apathy, disease, hatred, and pride, and fleshly ambition. And then you're told that you can just simply confess your way to transformation. But spoiler alert, positive confessions alone won't change anything in your life. Why do I say this? Let's, let, let's just real quickly perform an exercise or an experiment to validate or annul the premise. I want you to clear your throats clear your throats and I want you to say out loud just to make sure it gets out into the universe I want you to say out loud 
I now have a million more dollars in my bank account. Did you confess it? Now finally, say this out loud. Say, I am the President of the United States. Did you confess it? Now I want you to pull up your bank account. And I want you to see if you have a million dollars more in there. I'm going to wait. Then I want you to go look in the mirror and see if you're Joe Biden. Did it happen? What's my point? If you didn't have a million dollars before, you confessed it. And if you're not Joe Biden, it didn't work. Why? Because it's a flawed, unbiblical concept that has ruined countless lives and diluted so many people's faith in God and the reliability of his word. Biblically naive teachers have been taught that in order to change their health condition, they must simply confess, by Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. They may be bound by opioids and addictions and struggling with sexual sins and can't find employment, have fractured relationships. They have evil and mean-spirited dispositions. They may have weight and weight problems and habitually make poor decisions concerning their lives and can't seem to find a remedy or victory. Instead of living by faulty, hollow promises, we at Truth Matters, we trust that this podcast will help you find true victory and success in your life. 1 Corinthians 15, 11 warns us of sinful associations who are involved in immoral and ungodly conduct. You know the old adage, association brings about assimilations. Those sinful associates can influence you. And before you sense it or become aware, you become a bird of a feather who flocks together with people who have the same kind of depraved minds and sinful desires and lifestyles. You soon compromise and dilute God's word and voice and become like a tumbleweed with no root or foundation just being tossed to and fro by every wind and doctrine and you begin to do things and try things that are totally ungodly and perverted. See, but God has provided us with the ability to tap into his plan and path for changing our minds. Let's look at some instances where our Lord has encountered individuals who are involved in sinful, abominable conduct. What is abominable conduct, Pastor Adams? Well, it is a, it is spiritual nausea. It makes God puke. That's what abomination means. And as a result, people have received reprobated minds. Well, what's a reprobated minds? It's minds that are morally depraved, unprincipled, having no feeling or remorse or misgiving of consciousness towards vile acts. Romans 126 says, they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. So what did God do? He turned them over to a reprobated mind. And what's the result of that? They would begin to do things that were against nature. Women lusting after women, exchanging natural relations for unnatural ones. Listen to me. Even when you are in that condition, God will attempt to reach and turn you around. But too many people resist. And Proverbs 29 and 1 tells us what happens when we resist. It says that God reaching out and that person being often reproved, they harden their neck. They shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Listen, no amount of positive confession or laws of attraction will deliver them from their state.
See, this is a dangerous state or territory to be in, beloved. Our Lord, even on occasion, restricted men from even praying for people in these cases. Look what Jeremiah 11 and 14 says. God said, as for you, do not pray for these people, neither lift up a cry or prayer for them. I will not hear them in their time that they cry out of their trouble. Jeremiah 7 and 16 says, do not pray for this people or lift up a cry or even make intercession. John, 1 John 5, 16 and 17 says, I will cast them out of my sight. Do not pray for this people. Why? Because they are continuing to sin and their sin leads to death. But we at Truth Matters today want to let you know something, beloved, that there is still hope if you desire hope. Romans 12 and 2 says, Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, just like an ugly caterpillar can change and transform into a beautiful butterfly so can you you might say how do, how do i achieve it pastor adams well john 15 and 3 tells us that we are clean through the word which jesus spoke to us he said abide in me and i will abide in you and as the tree can't bear fruit except it abide in the vine neither can you except you abide in me you can't do it on your own self-help seminars can't do it education can't do it changing your sex persuasion can't do it but you must be washed you must be cleansed some by the fire some through the flood but hear me beloved we all must come to be cleansed by the blood you can wash away the song says what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 5 and 26 says that we are cleansed by the washing of the water of the word, committed to follow God's words and walk in the spirit. Then you will achieve things and you will have things that will be cleansed, things in our minds which controls our actions. Since our minds can be renewed through the power of God's word, we must enlist wisdom and instruction of his word. You may think this is too difficult, Pastor Adams, but I hear Jesus saying, is anything too hard for God? Is anything impossible for God? And the answer is no, 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 no. There's nothing too hard for God. We want you to know today that all we have to do is understand that our God loves us and he's given us a prescription to be changed and to have a changed mind and success in life. It's found in the scripture. And I'm so glad that the one who created all things gave us an operational manual to live by. He said in James 4 and 3, draw near to God, cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts and minds. Ezekiel 36 and 26 says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new mind. I'll take away your stubborn heart of stone and I'm going to give you an obedient heart and mind. Now you have the direction from the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, which means basic instructions before leaving earth to overcome your 
addictions, your rebellion, your self-destructive habits, your racism, your unfaithfulness, your oath-breaking, and all of your deceptive acts, your lust, your idolatry, your backbiting, your disloyalty, your witchcraft, your unnatural affections, your lying and your cursing tongue, your lack of ungratefulness, your pride, your greed, all of your excesses, your low self-esteem and apathy. If you want to change your life and have victory and success, I pray that you commit to changing your destructive living. Discipline yourself by walking in obedience to God's instructions. It takes consistent and intentional actions to create a lasting new habit. No, it's not found in a book called A Secret. It is not by using impotent positive confessions that create your new life reality, but only in a diligent, determined decision. You must decide. And the word decide means to put to death. That's we get the terms genocide, fratricide, pesticide, pesticide. It means to put to death. Let Christ's word put to death your old way of living, your old way of thinking, so you can put on the new mind that has been shaped by the blood of Christ and by his spirit and his power. Now this is the truth about transforming your mind. God bless you and you pray for us in Jesus' name.